Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, The Book of Philemon in Review. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, we have left Twitter because of the extremely fluid changing issues there. We apologize for any issues this creates for you. We are actively looking for another platform. We know of many, but none are chosen at present. I will update you when there is something more to report. Thank you all for your patience. We have also purchased a web domain and have an active website there that we are building now. It is compatible with both computers and mobile devices. We plan to go live with our new site January 1st of 2023. God bless you all. Last week was our last episode in our Philemon series titled The Book of Philemon Part 4, posted on November 13th. In that episode, we noted that Onesimus, as a slave of Philemon, ran away from him who asked the very question many of us today would ask if a similar issue occurred in our life. What reason have I to receive him again? But notice what happens to Onesimus. He returns, a convert, a Christian, a brother in the faith, and as such to be entertained by you, being doubly related to you, both as a servant and as a fellow member of Christ. Onesimus no longer was a slave, but salvation in Christ has made him more than a slave. He is now a dear brother. We notice further, St. Paul acknowledges, not denies the debt, but observe farther, he takes it upon himself. Put it on my account, I will repay it. As a leader in any spiritual community, have you ever done what Paul did for Philemon? I am sure that that thought greatly causes caution, hesitation, and even creates. To find out more, listen to our previous episode titled The Book of Philemon. Part 4. Welcome to our series bonus podcast, a summary study of the Book of Philemon. This week we will review this valuable study series to glean everything we can from this little, if ever, studied book in the Bible. A gold nugget of scripture that is so often missed. In Part 1, we learned it is evident from the epistle that Paul regarded him, Philemon, as a sincere Christian, as a man of strict integrity, as one who could be depended on to do right. Thus, in Philemon verses 5 through 7, he says that he had heard of his love and faith toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. Thus, he confidently asked him to provide for him a lodging when he should come, and thus he expresses 
the assured belief that he would do what was right towards one who had been his servant, who, having been formerly unfaithful, was now converted, and, in the estimation of the apostle, was worthy of the confidence and affection of his former master. In regard to his rank in the Christian church, nothing whatever is known. Paul calls him his, quote, fellow laborer, end quote. But this appellation is so general that it determines nothing in regard to the manner in which he cooperated with him in promoting religion. It is a term which might be applied to any active Christian, whether a preacher, an elder, a deacon, or a private member of the church. It would seem clear, however, that he was not a traveling preacher, for he had a home in Colossus, and the presumption is that he was an active and benevolent member of the church who did not sustain any office. There are many private members of the churches to whom all that is said of Philemon in the epistle would apply. Yet there have been various conjectures in regard to the office which he held. Nothing is known of his age, his profession, or of the time and circumstances of his death. Neither is it certainly known what effect this epistle had on him, or whether he again received Onesimus under his roof. It may be presumed, however, that such a letter, addressed to such a man, would not fail of its object. From Barnes New Testament Notes For clarity, we read, It is evident from the epistle that Paul regarded him, Philemon, as a sincere Christian, as a man of strict integrity, as one who could be depended on to do right. Can the same be said of you? Are you a sincere Christian? Are you a person, quote, of strict integrity, as one who could be depended on to do right? End quote. The answer to these questions should be yes. Can it also be said of you that you are an active and benevolent member of the church? who does not sustain any office? If attaining some form of church office is one's primary concern, how many church members are suffering due to them being ignored by someone who just might be able to help them in their difficult time? When looking for position in the church, this is one of the chief problems today. People who need help cannot find it because those who can help are busy seeking their own self-promotion as a leader in the church who ultimately is unhelpful to those who need help. Those who turn to church leaders and get redirected to solve their own problem or problems by themselves or worse. Notice what else is said of Philemon. In regard to his rank in the Christian church, nothing whatever is known. Paul calls him his, quote, fellow laborer, end quote, but this appellation is so general that it determines nothing in regard to the manner in which he cooperated with him in promoting religion. It is a term which might be applied to 
any active Christian, whether a preacher, an elder, a deacon, or a private member of the church. Are some people out there in a church environment seeking nothing more than to be the highest rank in any particular church body of brothers and sisters? If this is true, then one is seeking the wrong thing. Notice the hierarchy found in commentary here. A preacher, an elder, a deacon, or a private member of the church. That is, simply put, the hierarchy of any church body unless further manipulated by those in charge to create a more complex and involved structure of offices to hold. Whatever our title may be, all of us are fellow laborers in the service of Christ. Preachers, elders, and deacons are the leadership that organizes and ministers to the private membership of any particular church body. They also watch for growing members into these church offices so to build out the present church into another church, then replicated by both churches, and so on. Not for a numbers game, but for properly promoting the gospel and growing the living body of God's children. We learned that Philemon, in verses 1 through 3, tells us this book, or letter, is from Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, their brother. It is to Philemon, their dear friend and co-laborer, to Apphia, their sister, to Archippus, their fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your house, meaning Philemon's house. Given the number of people this letter is addressed to, just who is it? who is the main recipient of this letter. It is Philemon, since he is the first person this letter is addressed. Notice also that Onesimus was not directly mentioned in the list of who this letter is addressed to. How does Onesimus fit into what Paul is writing? What we notice as we continue to read is that the letter appears to be more from Paul than Timothy even though written by both. That is all we know of Timothy's involvement. Notice further that the book of Philemon is also addressed to others and to the church that meets in Philemon's house. The size of this church is never mentioned in either commentary or the text of Philemon. For anyone who has attended what some today call a small group that meets in a local home, that can give us some understanding of how big Philemon's church was. Yet, such meetings can grow beyond the space limitations of a house of any size, thus requiring a larger meeting place than a person's home. So, even though it may seem important, the size of Philemon's home church bears no relevance to what Paul is speaking to Philemon. although. Philemon, the husband by the ordinance and appointment of God, has the highest place, the first and chief power in the government of the family 
yet the wife being given him of God as an assistant and fellow helper in government, her subordinate authority given her by God is to be owned and acknowledged. From Burkitt's Expository Notes Women were far less educated in Philemon's day, among other social issues no longer today that are relevant. Keeping and tending the home was a woman's chief source of work among most of them. So, keep this in mind as we progress through this book of the Bible. Also, terms like master and slave worked in their language and life because of how society was then constructed and ruled, which is very much unlike it is today. For more, read about the virtuous woman in Proverbs chapter 31, verses 10 through 31. Women are more capable than they are given credit for. Here, even in our Bibles, the Old Testament, women bore a greater degree of respect that is seldom given them in even more modern times we now live in. This issue is a social issue that invades the modern church in America, at the very least. Again, not all churches, but many. Remember what Burkitt's expository notes told us. Her subordinate authority given her by God is to be owned and acknowledged. Do American Christian men allow their wife to have any authority? Do such men recognize the authority given to women by God? That women are to own and have acknowledged? Men, if you answer those questions no, again, read Proverbs chapter 31, verses 10 through 31. This passage describes a very capable woman who is still an example to us in modern times today. We learn further how Paul addresses the primary issue at hand here with Philemon. Quoting, However, without your consent, I do not want to do anything so that your good deed would not be out of compulsion, but from your own willingness. End quote. Notice the lack of insistence from Paul. In similar situations today, many American Christian men and women are very insistent with phrases like, You need to do this now. Until you correct this issue, do not come back to our church. This is very much unlike this lesson we can learn from Paul's letter to Philemon. Unless a person is grossly offensive, such as having committed robbery, murder, or some other very severe crime or wrong, we are not to address people as though they had been so offensive. Paul's example to us is to clearly state the facts in such a way that our addressing them causes those we are speaking with to correct something from their own willingness. We should further note, from expository notes with practical observations on the New Testament by William Burkett, for our comfort, God will, 
at the reckoning day account and treat such as spiritual fathers who have been faithful, though unsuccessful in the work of Christ, because they have cast forth the prolific seed of the gospel. Therefore, the cause of sterility and spiritual barrenness cannot be imputed to them, they having exerted and put forth their best endeavors. Is this not unlike a farmer in a drought? He works the soil. He casts all his seed in the hopes it will grow. But the summer remains hot and dry, and thus his seed never takes hold and further does not even sprout. Even the stronger plants that do sprout initially succumb to the heat and dryness only to wither and die. Such a farmer is faithful to the crops and yet unsuccessful because the end result is no harvest whatsoever. Can any of us say, we have been faithful, though unsuccessful, in the work of Christ? Today, especially, I think this can be said of many of God's children around the world. Many have indeed been faithful to cast forth the prolific seed of the gospel with zero results, even resulting in threats if one continues to do it. This is, in brief, the cause of spiritual barrenness spoken of here in commentary. Many who have been in this situation have often wondered what they have done wrong. The answer to that wondering is, no, you haven't necessarily done anything wrong. This is the result of many whose hearts have grown cold to any reception of God's gospel. Of us then, it can be clearly stated that the cause of sterility and spiritual barrenness cannot be imputed to us. We who see failure, even profound failure, when we witness to others the gospel of Jesus, tend to take the blame. Why is this true? Anyone, having exerted and put forth their best endeavors, is not faulted by God. Only by one's own thinking is one accused by the influences brought about by the still voice in our mind or heart, or both that promotes the failure that we are never accused of by God in this situation. The only other accusing voice is our own brothers and sisters, who think that somehow we have slacked in our duty. When we are unsaved in Christ, we are best described as a slave to sin or simply put, a slave. We do not bear all sinful behaviors because there is good in many people, but many sins rule how we act and think. They also rule how we speak to others at times also. Simply, this is how the word slave is being used here in Scripture. It is not relevant to human slavery as this is not the subject matter when the word slave is used. It relates to the slavery of the unsaved man or woman to the sin in their lives, no matter how good they perceive themselves to be. 
even after we are saved in Christ, we still sin. However, we who are saved in Christ have forgiveness of that sin if we simply ask him for it. This is told to us by Scripture. Further, from expository notes with practical observations on the New Testament by William Burkett, we read, Here our apostle answers the objection which possibly Philemon might make. Thus, quote, Onesimus ran away from me. What reason have I to receive him again? End quote. We never learned the answer to this question. We only learned the reasoning by Paul to address the subject. Note further, William Burkett, the large extent and next the overwhelming power of the divine providence, its extent, it reaches not only to kingdoms and nations, but to families and persons, even to poor bond slaves. A fugitive runs not from his service, but the providence of God's eyes, and observes it, wisely and mercifully overrules it. Are you like Onesimus? Do we have reason or reasons to run from God and or those who bring us his gospel for our own salvation? It should be well known that God is willing to save us from our sin. Being saved in Christ is, as Jesus' words and scripture further tells us, the only way to be received into heaven and life eternal when we leave this world. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2 reads, Do not neglect hospitality, because through it some have entertained angels without knowing it. Of this verse, we learn further. The second duty here exhorted to is hospitality, especially towards strangers, which consisted in receiving them into their homes and furnishing them with all needful accommodations. In those eastern countries' inns, not so ready as with us, and Christians were generally poor, not able to bear their own charges in their traveling from place to place. Strangers, even among heathens, were accounted sacred and under the particular protection of God. And a punishment was appointed for those that were inhospitable towards them. Hospitality is a prescribed duty, but this part of it, to wit, the entertaining of strangers, which was so great a virtue in ancient times, is now driven out of the world by the wickedness of some and the covetousness of others. Few strangers are worthy to receive entertainment, and as few have hearts to give it. From Expository Notes with Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett the last paragraph written by William Burkett said, Hospitality is a prescribed duty, but this part of it, to wit, the entertaining of strangers, meaning being hospitable to them in your home, which was so great a virtue in ancient times, is now driven out of the world by the wickedness of some 
and the covetousness of others, few strangers are worthy to receive entertainment, as few have hearts to give it. Today, we could also add to this, for clarity, coronavirus, or COVID-19, or, simply put, as America does today, COVID. This global pandemic has greatly complicated how anyone can be hospitable. Even family members can infect other family members if they gather together. Granted, this particular issue is reasonably reduced now, but we all remember not long ago at all that getting together in any environment, especially home and work, was downright dangerous for anyone to do. Today, this means that not only has hospitality simply fallen to the wayside, with good reason, in some situations, it has been abandoned altogether in others. Again, the aspect of it is now greatly reduced by vaccinations getting better with time as they will continue to do. Whether we become totally free of coronavirus is still in the future. However, this provides many with the reasoning for not presenting the gospel to those we know are unsaved in Christ. However, our charge is to still share the gospel. How do we do that today so we remain safe and free of this ugly illness? The quick and easy and most prominent example is doing something on the Internet. Some of us can blog. Some of us can podcast. Even others can set up a website with very useful information. People need ministry in many forms. Do you know how to cook food creatively and do it in a way that saves money? That is a ministry because if people do not eat, they could care less about the saving knowledge of God if their bellies are empty. What you have to offer may not be found in online sharing and or teaching of Scripture. However, there are many practical everyday needs that you may be able to help with in one regard or another such as helping a nonprofit distribute food to the hungry where you live. You do not have to be creative or talented in order to serve others in one aspect or another. It is more about what you can do rather than having to learn something that is of little or no interest to you, like online ministry, in one form or another. Now. Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, helps us further. I will read the short context for thought clarity in verses 10 through 13. Then many will be led into sin, and they will betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many. And because lawlessness will increase so much, the love of many will grow cold but the person who endures to the end will be saved. Will you endure to the end by not growing cold? By giving to others in new and creative ways as things in this life change? 
Think about what you like to do. Then think about what you can do to bring it to a needy audience. Just because many others will and do grow cold, you can be the warmth of Christ in the life of someone else in a new and even creative way. So, how do we manage extending hospitality in today's world? After all, hospitality is a prescribed duty. Yet, it is still clear that we are not to foolishly extend hospitality when it could cause us injury. How can one manage this sort of thing today? Next week is Thanksgiving weekend. We will examine what we have to be thankful for. Do you have anything to be thankful for? Many times, when our situation is dominated by sickness, hunger, war, to name a few, we forget that despite all the things we are confronted with, that we still have reason to be thankful. Join us next week for our episode titled, A Reason to be Thankful. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. Thank you all so much. God bless you all. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. We are located at this internet address, unchurched.site123.me. At present, we are located on a growing number of podcast sites. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope 
encourage your hearts, and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.